You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am so glad to have you all today. Have your attention just for a moment, just to tell you what God is saying, what God is saying to us today, today, today. Now, listen, now, listen, I'm going to get started here for the individual. Let me give you a little introduction here for the individual. There are going to be times when you come in contact with other individuals who initially, listen to me now, present themselves as being a friend. Might not necessarily be true. Might not necessarily be true. There are times as a leader where you come in contact with a crowd that appears, they appear to be receiving what God has given to you to share. But later you find out, eh, not so much. You see, for the individual, you find others. You're going to find this out, that others can be so weak in their faith. They, at any moment, any moment are subject to becoming your enemy, your enemy, the enemy, by the way, that Satan can use to distract you. For the leader, the crowd becomes a misleading band, which aids miles. They add miles, miles to your journey. You see, for the individual or for the leader, if a person or people are weak in their, come on, Apostle Ken is talking about this now. If they're weak in their faith, in their faith, they are open. They're open to being used by the enemy, not only to distract us, but to add a burden to us, a burden to us and on us that God did not intend for us to carry. It's unintentional. We're carrying weight that we should not be carrying. Why? Because we don't understand that Satan's goal is to move us, is to frustrate us. It's to make us a problem to ourselves keep our own selves from moving forward or progressing. And yes, they are two different things. Sometimes we're moving forward, but there's no purpose behind our move. So that means that we indeed are not progressing. We are randoming in our approach, very random in our approach, and we have no certain outcome because we have no certain goal. We did not define success. So we have no idea when we actually arrive. We don't define what we want it to look like. So we have no idea when it's in front of our face. We don't see it. We don't recognize it because we never defined it. Because we never established the destination. We know our call. 
We know what's required to do our call, yet we realign ourselves for a moment to the distraction, to the heavier burden. We literally maneuver ourselves to align to the words of the individual or the crowd and can cost ourselves time and energy and effort to realign to the truth. But here's the question. Here's the question. Was that time of realignment wasted? Or is there a gain, an understanding, a lesson, and discernment, and discernment? If you know me, like I think you do by now, you know I got the answer to that. I'm not going to send you home without the answer. I'm not going to have you shut off the broadcast without the answer, but I'll let you be the judge. I'll let you be, to be the judge. You judge it. As we talk about today, the subtle sabotage. We're going to talk about the subtle sabotage. Now, let's begin in John 6. We're just going to talk about a test. It's a true or false test. We're just going to talk about a test. John 6 and 1, where it says, sometimes after this, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. Verse two, and a great crowd of people, they followed him because they saw the signs. Remember now, this is John's account. They followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So it was John's opinion that they were following Jesus because they saw the signs and because they saw the healing of the sick. Sick. So verse three tells us, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Verse five says, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where? Shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So he wanted to know, how are we going to feed these people? Verse six says, he asked this question only, he asked this question only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, see, here's the thing to remember right here. Here's the thing to remember. This is John's account. John is saying this is to test Philip. But here's the thing. John's there. So is it possible, just for a moment, let's think about this. Is it possible that the test was not only for Philip, but for John as well as the other disciples that were present there. Why? Why Why am I asking that question? Because as I look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even as I go on into the books written to the churches by Paul, I see that they each have, they each speak about God in their own context. They speak about God uh, based on what they know, based on what their experiences are, but also how they interpret those experiences. Now, is their interpretation wrong? Is it wrong 
or is it just their own? How do we know which interpretations are actually correct? How do we know that? Or do we just take their interpretation just as their experience with God so their relationship with Jesus is interpreted out of the experiences that they've had with him. And not only that, out of their understanding. See, Luke interprets Jesus differently because Luke is a Gentile by birth. He's well-educated. He's well-cultured. He is a physician by profession. Then you have John and he interpretates God out of his context. He's the one, remember, he's the one that's known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And the book of John interprets Jesus through this focus of signs. You know, he talks a lot about his signs. He talks a lot about Jesus's identity. He talks about his mission. And see, all of that cannot be lost on us, the reader, that he's interpreting him by his signs, by his identity. And I'm speaking of Jesus, by his mission. This is how John interpreted him. See, in uh, verse two, we saw that he, people saw the signs and they were healed as one who focused on Jesus's identity and on his mission you can you can almost you can almost feel John's protective nature of Jesus because when he when he spoke and he said you know the people are following him because he wanted to explain that this is why I believe they are here because they see the signs and they see him healing the sick. But see, his this is what he protected. This is what John protected. His examination and his watchful context attempting to examine the motives of the people. We can feel, we, we can feel that not only did Jesus love John, but John loved Jesus. And his writings in the book of John, they bring about clarity of Jesus's identity and his mission. Because why? That's what John cared about. And that's what John protected. And that's what he protected. I had to say it again, that's what John protected. See, we protect what we understand. We protect what we know. We protect what we expect experience, what we experience. And I'm pointing this out to say, recognize that we each have different experiences with the Lord Jesus Christ, but we must understand him in the context of who he is. He is a multifaceted, true and living savior who was born, he lived, he died, and now he is sitting at the right hand of the father and he is interceding for us right now. This is what we know. How do we know this? Because the Bible expressly tells us this and we know and we and we and we know this and because we know this we choose we choose whether or not first step to believe it to believe it once we are clear on what we believe here comes the experiences here comes the experiences why 
because it's through our experiences that he writes his words upon our heart. And it's when we share those experiences, just as the Bible shares with us the experiences of Jesus and the other men and women of God, not only do we come to understand God and come to understand re, stand, uh, stand a relationship with him, but we come into a relationship with him. We are able to help others mature in the measure to the measure and the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ when we share those experiences because they're real to us. They define our relationship with Christ. They define what we understand about him. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that our experiences shape shape how we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we agree on that? And can we also accept the fact that that would mean no one person has all the answers? No one person, because they do not have what? All of the experiences. They do not have all of their experiences. I know what I need to know based on what God has called me to. And my experiences solidify that. You know what you need to know based on what God has called you to. And your experiences, they solidify your relationship with the Lord and the Savior, Jesus Christ, they solidify that for you. They so they make it plain to you. They make your relationship with God, they make it real to you. They make it real to you. See, here's the thing. We are we what God, what God has birthed in me through the experience I had because God is making you to be something different. You have certain experiences, right? So your shape you. They shape your opinion. They shape who you are and is sharing your experiences. You sharing your experiences with me, guess what it does? It expands my understanding, my visual of who God is. It gives me better insight. It paints a clearer picture for me of who God is because you've expounded on him in a way that I've not yet experienced and that I may never experience. I may never experience, but if I believe, if I believe your experiences to be true, and if I believe that God has done the thing in you that you say that God did in you and with you, now I have an understanding of God in a different way. And not only does it enhance my relationship with him, but get this, get this, it increases my faith. It increases my faith. Now I know things about God that I did not know because I not experienced him the way you did. You see, you are listening to me right now, right now. You're listening right now. God is sharing with you my experiences with him. I cannot tell you of what I do not actually know, just like you cannot share with me of something you do not know. Oh, we can both try, but given time, the truth, it does show up and it renders our account invalid. With our understanding of who God is being 
solidified through our experiences, giving a witness to others of God. Experiences can only expand another's understanding of who God is and solidify their faith or their belief in and of God. See, listen, every day we wake up and we learn something new. We're going to learn something new. I promise if you go to sleep tonight and you think over the course of the day, there will be something that you have learned. There will be an understanding that you have gained that you did not have yesterday. While listening to me may confirm some things, yes, it will also teach some new things. Why? Because I'm coming from a different context birthed out of different experiences, experiences you may not yet have had or may have had differently. So I will come with a completely different view or a different way to look at something. And yes, you might say, I have never thought of it that way before. Why? Because you didn't have the experience that allowed you to have the outcome that allowed you to have that view. Just like I have not had your experiences that have allowed you to have the outcome that you have or have the view that you have. It doesn't make what you've learned from your experiences wrong or what I have learned from my experiences wrong. We must stop believing that just because a person says something as it relates to God, that they are wrong, especially when there's evidence of it in the word of God, in the Bible. Experiences should be God doing as he promises. Just as he promised. Deuteronomy 11 and 18 says, and Proverbs 3 and 3, Proverbs 6 and 21, Proverbs 7 and 3, Exodus 13 and 9. They all say where God is simply, you know, they talk about how God is simply going to write his words on our hearts. We become his people. He becomes our God and his word is in our hearts and it's bound. It becomes bound around our neck and in our fingers. It becomes our armor. Why? Because we have an understanding. Because we have an understanding. See, the point is here. What the point I'm making is do not dismiss what is true. No difference. There is no difference between, listen, wait a minute, let me back up a little bit. Don't dismiss, my thoughts are going ahead of my mouth. Don't dismiss what is true. Know the difference between what is true and what is false. False truth, it is a gift from God to help you. The false is meant to deter or distract you, add more miles to your journey, send you on a wild goose chase. None of us have it all. There is no one that knows everything. There is no one that knows everything. God would not have to place us in the body as he did if one person had all the answers. We all come with what God has given us so that the body of Christ can grow and mature into the stature of Christ. And the book of John is unique to the other books bearing the disciples' names. But we're going to learn from John today, just as we have learned from the other disciples of Jesus Christ. See, John's perspective is, the, is that the people follow because of the signs. Mark believes that he fed the people out of compassion. In Mark 6 and 34, he says when Jesus had landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
So he began teaching them many things. Matthew 2 believes that he fed the crowd out of compassion. Matthew 14 and 14, it says, when Jesus landed and saw the crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Then you have Luke's account where Luke feels like Jesus was welcoming and he healed those who needed healing. Luke 9 and 11 says, but the crowds learned about it and they followed him. So Jesus welcomed them and they spoke and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those that needed healing. So back to my original question, were their interpretations wrong or was it just their own? Was it just their own? How do we know which is which? How do we know? Let's continue to answer this. And let's see, in verse eight, and let's see if we recognize it here. In verse eight, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy. Remember now, the question was posed to Philip, how are we going to feed these people? So then verse eight tells us one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, here's a boy. And he has five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will five small barley loaves and two fish go among so many. Verse 10 says, Jesus said, have the people sit down, have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, here we go. I think your answer's here. He said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. We can, we can choose in our experiences to wallow or we can choose to let them mature us. Allow God to write his words on our heart. Let nothing be wasted. Take what you have. Thank God for it. We see that in verse 11, then distribute it, then distribute it. Do not waste the time. Feed the crowd you have while you have the crowd. Let nothing be wasted. There is no experience that we have had that we can toss aside. There is no interpretation of another's experiences of Christ and how they experience Christ that we should toss aside and treat so casually as if it doesn't matter or as if they don't matter, as if we were never children, as if we didn't have to mature in Christ, as if what God has done in us, he can't do it in them. We let nothing be wasted. That's your interpretation of God today. But after an experience, you're going to understand him a little better. Better. The goal is not to let nothing be wasted. Don't let my words today, my experience that I'm sharing with you today, be wasted. 
Let it be something that can nurture you and can mature you and matriculate you into a better understanding of who Christ is. Because guess what? When I come in contact with you and you're sharing your experience, I'm going to let it matriculate me even further into a better awareness and consciousness of who God is. I will let nothing that comes from the word of God that can be verified by the word of God be wasted. Let nothing be wasted. Nothing. We don't let John's account be wasted because John's account was out of love. It was out of love. Yes, he saw that the people followed him because he felt it was strictly because of the signs. It was strictly because of the healing. And yes, yes, others thought, no, it was the compassion. But guess what? They're all right. They're all right. Jesus did all of that. There were some people that followed that may have just been following just because of the signs and just because of the healings, and perhaps they wanted to be healed. Yes, there were some people, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that follow just out of compact, just because they wanted that to feel the touch of Jesus's love. They wanted to be around someone that compassionate, someone that would teach them, someone that would heal them, someone that would even feed them, not just spiritually, but naturally. Yes, they're all correct. Let nothing be wasted because it does nothing but take our understanding of Jesus Christ from here to here to here. Let nothing be wasted. So verse 13 says, so they gathered and they gathered them after, you know, everyone had eaten. They gathered everything that was left over and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So they gathered what was left. They gathered what was left. Listen to this. You will be left with more than you started more than you started. If you learn not to dismiss, not to dismiss so easily what God has put around you for your growth. So you started out with five loaves and a bread and two fishes, and that was borrowed. That wasn't even yours. You started out with that, but now you have 12 baskets. 12 baskets. So stop fainting about what you gave out that wasn't even yours to begin with. It was God using you for his glory. Stop fainting about what you gave out. It wasn't yours to begin with. What you have left will always be more than what you started with. It's more than what you started with. Your job is just simply to get the lesson. Your job is to know what you have learned. Know what you have learned. Know what you have learned. Be clear on that. Be clear on that. Don't leave anything behind. If someone thought enough of you to share with you, if I thought enough to get on the air and share this with you, don't leave it behind. If you're talking to me and you're sharing your experience with me, I will not leave it behind.
because it's for my growth. The minute I start shirking off your, your real lived experiences and how God bought you through, and we can take that thing back to a biblical context and begin to explain, oh yeah, because he did it in that one and he did it in this one, and now he's done it for me. I have just limited my understanding of who God is. And because I've limited my understanding, now I am limited in how God can use me because he can't use me to that level because I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend it. So how many of us are standing in the same place, unable to be to grow in Christ and be used in other ways in Christ because we keep putting ourselves in this box and won't allow anything in that we ourselves didn't birth? It has to come from you. It has to come to you, come from you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the subtle sabotage. Do you see it? Do you see how the enemy would have you to sabotage your own growth? Sabotage your own maturity. Sabotage your own. You never grow into the stature of who Christ is because you refuse to hear anything Anything that you yourself didn't experience, it's not real if you didn't go through it. It didn't happen if it didn't happen to you. If God don't wake you up in the middle of the night and give you that understanding, you're not going to hear it from anyone else. And then you wonder why you're going in circles, because that's only far as you could go in your box. Come on, we have to accept the gifts that Christ has given us to mature us in him. We have to receive these gifts. They're for us. They're for us because guess what? God can't say everything to us all at one time. Listen, you ever wonder how sometimes you're reading the word of God and you might have read that scripture a million times and then you stumble upon that scripture again, but all of a sudden it's saying something that you not realize that it was saying before. The reason is because you've matured to another level. So you understand God differently based on the experiences you've had since the last time you've read that scripture. It is no different than when a person is sharing with you their experiences, whether they're from the pulpit or whether they're having a conversation with you, when they're sharing with you their experiences, take it in. It is there to help you. You subtly, subtly, subtly sabotage your own growth when you can only hear from you. I'm telling you, it's a ploy of the enemy to keep you grounded. It's a ploy of the enemy to keep you just on the merry-go-round. On the merry-go-round. Verse 14 says, after the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. Verse 15 says, Jesus knowing excuse me, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him the king by force, by force, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Your goal is to take in the lesson, take in the experience, research the word of God, find out whether those things be true or not, but you are not to fall for the response of the people. In that moment, resist the urge to be king. 
Resist the urge, be great. Resist the urge to be wonderful. Instead, withdraw. Withdraw. To be clear, John 7 and 8 says, whoever speaks on their own does does own does so gain personal glory, but he who speak who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. So how do we recognize how are we clear on what our lesson is? What is it that we are, are trying to make sure so that we're not duped, so that the enemy doesn't have us chasing our own tail, so he doesn't have us running around in circles, so that we're not listening to the false teachers, the false prophets, pastors, evangelists. We're not listening to that. How do we know? How do we know that what we're following or what we're taking in is actually true? Well, the answer is in John 7 and 18. I just read it. What one speaks is what they seek. Whoever speaks of their own, they're looking for their own glory. Whoever speaks of the glory of the one who sent him, whoever speaks of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's a man of truth. There is nothing about him. So we don't follow people that are trying to draw us to them. We don't follow people that are trying to draw us to their flesh. We follow those that are pointing us to Christ, who are pointing us to Jesus Christ. We need to understand their why. We need to understand their why. That's why I said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, their accounts were all correct. John sought to understand the people's why. Why are you here? Do you mean him any harm? I love him. I protect what I love. Why are you here? I saw you. You already got healed. Why are you still here? Why didn't you bring someone else you knew that was ill to get healed? Why are you still here? And this is what Jesus says in verse 24. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Jesus answered them in verse 26. <coughs> he answered them. <coughs> And he said, Verily I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So you were looking for the natural food. You're looking for the natural food. Jesus is trying to show us here how to recognize their why. Is it eternal? as an eternal life, or is it temporal words of life, things here on earth? What is it that they're talking about? Listen to their words. Are they pointing you to them or are they pointing you to God? Things of the world or eternal life, a distraction or redirection in your spiritual journey or help in encouraging, feeding your faith, sharing with you the possible speed bumps that may slow you down. What does it seem, what does it seem they are working for or towards? 
What does it seem? What does it seem like? Is their word pointing you to them or is it pointing them to God? Pointing you to God. Is it trying? Are they trying to encourage you and feed your faith? Trying to point out to you the possible speed bumps that may cause you to trip in your journey? Or is it all about me, 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 I, I, I? See, because we are a people that we're working, we want, we don't want verse 27 says the food that spoils, but we want the food that endures to eternal life. And it's only Jesus that can give us eternal life. We are talking about the subtle sabotage. I'm pointing out to you the speed bumps that can exist and throw you to the ground if you're not aware that they are there. And sometimes we build our own speed bumps in our own way. And then when we trip over them, we're looking up at everybody like, oh my God, oh my God, did you see that? That always happens. I always, why well, don't understand why that's there? You built it. You put it there. And then you act surprised when you trip over it. Can we, can we agree that uh, on the, uh, on the uh, definition of insanity, to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Ladies and gentlemen, the subtle sabotage. You sabotage your own self and the enemy loves it because he just keeps sending you on this wild goose chase. Just keeps sending you in circles, just in circles. I'm reminded of when David was talking to his son Solomon and he was explaining to him, you know, how to maintain his kingship. Basically, in First Chronicles in 28, he was explaining to him how to maintain his kingship. And he told him, if you acknowledge God as your father and if you serve him wholeheartedly, you know, that and, and with a willing mind, then the Lord, he's going to he's going to meet your every desire. If you seek him and he's going to find you and when he finds you and, and long as you don't forsake him, he's going to be with you forever. He's going to be with you forever. He was trying to get him to understand how to hold on to his kingship. Well, it's the same for us today. How do we hold on to our, to our, to being the son and the daughter of Christ, to being the friend of Christ and being the son and daughter of God? How do we hold on to that? Well, we must continue to acknowledge God as our father and serve him wholeheartedly. See, we don't want to make space for the enemy. And we don't understand when we allow ourselves to be deceived by the people leaders, when we allow ourselves to be moved by the people leaders, when we allow that to happen, then we are in fact sabotaging our own selves. We're sabotaging our own self because our goal should be to acknowledge God as our father and serve him wholeheartedly. We're not moved, as Jesus said, by the people, by the response of the people. We're not moved by that. We are moved by being able to share the word of God with you, share what we know, and then watch you change thereby and watch you grow there. By that is that is what we must understand as the people of God know their why. When people are speaking to us, people that we choose to listen to on social media, people that we choose to even listening to me now, know my why. My why, I'm talking to you right now because I will for the manifestation of God to happen in your life. 
I want you to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. I want you to mature into the likeness and the image of Christ. I want you to not keep looking to the left and the right, but to fix your eyes like a flit on Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that in Christ, you live and you breathe everything that you are. It's already in him. So you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be fearful. You can let, you can let, you can let God use you too. You too. You too. See, this is the thing. I told you before, you have to know their why, but you also have to know the truth. You also have to know the truth. And sometimes I understand truth can only be found out through time. You might have to listen to a person for a while to fight, figure out, wait a minute, every time I talk to you, every time I hear you, you're more I than you are God. You know, you slip God in there like, you know, just, you know, just a, just a byword here. Just let me throw God in there and keep their attention. But your conversation is mainly about you. What you're talking about is mainly about you. It's, it has nothing to do with maturing me and helping me to know God on a different level. But then there's others that all they're telling you is what God wants for, wants you, that God wants you. He wants to use you for his glory. He, they explain you how God is going to use you. They it's telling you things that help you mature, help you grow in Christ. You understand their why. Know the truth. You have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. Otherwise, you risk the subtle sabotage, the one where the enemy would have you sabotaging your own self. Have you sabotaging your own self? And it does happen. You must remember to stay dressed. Stay dressed in your, your godly attire. So that the enemy cannot infiltrate through to get to your heart because your breastplate is in place. Ephesians 6, it says, let's see, verse 10, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered and in union with him and in the power of his boundless might. In verse 11, it says, put on the full armor of God. That means his precepts. His precepts, his his rules, his 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 guy is put it on you, like bear it around your neck, like I said earlier. Put it on your head, put it on your chest. His precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavenly armed soldier, Ephesians tells us, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and all the strategies and deceit of the devil. Verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and heavenly supernatural. The Amplified Version says, places, our battle is not with people. Our battle is not with the person. 
Our battle is with the spirit, the negative, the demonic spirit that may be speaking through them that is deterring us from our promises and God, that is deterring us from our walk with God, that is redirecting, attempting to redirect our walk with God. So we must know who the enemy is. So, so many times we get mad with people in their moment of weakness, in their moment, they said something that we didn't appreciate or that might not have been uh, weighed by the scripture, might not have been godly. And we get so upset with people, but it is that spirit that we need to know that is our, that is what we're fighting against. And see, you can't, the reason why I'm talking about subtle sabotage, because it's so easy to happen. We don't give a lot of thought to what we, everything, everything that we take in in the course of a day. And while we may be uh, talking with a person and feel like when they're talking like, blah, 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 I'm not listening, blah, 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 I don't hear you. I promise you, are taking those words in. You're taking those words in and you don't know when they're going to show up, but those words, they subtly redirect you. When you're searching or, or, or and social media and you're listening and you're looking at everything that's being said and uh, listening to different ones, you have to understand you are taking that in. You're taking that in and those words will subtly redirect you. They subtly take you off course and make you think that you're moving when you're really not moving. And I'm telling you, that is a trick of the enemy to make you think that you are actually moving in Christ and you're doing something in Christ when you're really not. When you're really not moving, when you're really not going forward, you are just in your own circle, literally just going around in circles. It is a trick of the enemy. I'm trying to point out to you today in the subtle sabotage how the enemy will use you against you. How he will, how he will take what your good intention, your your the thing that comes from your deepest desire to serve and give back to God, and he will subtly, subtly make you make a just a slight right turn, a slight right turn where you think that you're still on path, but you're completely going in the wrong direction the wrong direction. You're like, you're like in John, when John talks about Jesus getting away from the people because he knew that the people were trying to make him king. You get, you feed into, you feed into the words of the people and you allow the people instead of withdrawing, you allow the people to redirect you. You allow the people to sway you on your journey. And because you do that, you end up thinking that you're moving in Christ, but actually you're moving with no destiny, no purpose in mind. You're not moving at all. You're not accomplishing anything at all. And sometimes until you come back to yourself, you won't even realize the wild goose chase that the enemy just had you on. You won't even you won't even notice it because you're so busy only listening to you. And then if somebody tries to tell you, hey, I don't that's that doesn't seem like the right way. That seems like that. 
I think you we already seen that. Uh, I think we've seen that mountain before. I'm pretty sure we saw that that before. And you just going around the block, around the block. I really, I I promise you, we've seen the same McDonald's. You think it's a different McDonald's because you think you're in a different street and you're on the same block, just going in circles. I promise you, we have seen Walmart. That's the Walmart that we stopped at to get directions that you didn't want to take and that you will not follow. And we're just going back around again and back around again. What I'm, what I'm sharing to you again, sharing with you is how the enemy will use you against you and the subtle sabotage. So we must begin to pay attention to what we're taking in and understand in a test, we need to know if what is true and what is false. We need to understand what is true. Don't let it be wasted. If someone is telling you, hey, listen, we've been down this road before, I think, or I've experienced that, and this was the outcome, that might not be a way to go. Listen, don't let anything be wasted. God is sending, I promise you, when you think about this, how about this? Think about the time when you got into a situation that thing did not go as you thought that it was going to go. I promise you, if you think about that situation, you're going to also remember that somebody, somebody came along and told you that won't be good. Somebody told you that that was the wrong way. Somebody told you, hey, listen, I don't think we ought to do this. I don't think we ought to go that way. But you insisted that you knew better. And because you insisted that you knew better, you ended up in a big mess. You wasted a lot of money. You were in a place that you shouldn't have been. Uh, let's say you met people that, that you shouldn't have met. So they took your life off track for several years. Took you a while to get yourself back together. Don't let people's lives, don't let their words be wasted when they're telling you something right. They're telling you something that can save you. They're telling you something that is aligned with the word of God. Don't ignore that word. Resist. Resist the urge to be king. Resist the urge to be right all the time. Resist the urge to know everything. Resist the urge to know everything. And those that you choose to listen to, know their why. Know why they're saying to you what they're saying to you. Is it based on the word of God? Is it for eternal life? Or, or is it food that ultimately will lead to your destruction? Is it food that's going to take you all around the mulberry bush and take you in circles. Is that what you're looking for? Is that what you want to do with your life? Are you going to continue? Are you going to continue down that, down this road? Or are you going to begin to examine people and begin to know their why before you take their advice or before you even take in their words? Before you take in their words, know the truth. You need to know the truth. This is why we study the word of God. So we can know the truth because knowing the truth keeps us dressed, keeps us armed. It keeps our armor in place when we know the truth, when we know what God, what people are saying to us. You know what? That's just like such as such in the Bible. That, that 
That happened to such and such in the Bible. So I recognize that as being true. You're having an experience that allows you, you're having an experience that allows you to comprehend God on a greater level. So if someone else is having an experience that gives you a better understanding of who God is and they can help you through or help you get over the speed bump a little better than you tripping and falling, then why? Why can't we take that in? Why Don't dismiss the gifts that God has given you to make sure that you fulfill the destiny and the purpose that he has for your life. Don't dismiss them so easy. A lot of times, a lot of us are standing still. We're standing in a place of uh, non-movement or the enemy literally has us moving rather than God having us moving. The reason why that happens a lot of times is because when God sends us the help, when he sends us those that will that have had certain experiences and that can instruct us and direct us, we don't want to listen to them. We don't want to hear what they have to say. We treat it, we treat it, we treat them and their experience as completely invaluable because we ourselves didn't experience it. So we we'd rather sabotage ourselves. We sabotage ourselves. So today, can we move past the subtle sabotage? That is us. Can we move around the subtle, arrogant ways, prideful ways that keep us from listening to others and receiving the instruction of others? Can we do that today? Can we not stay stay in, in our in our own uh, what's the hamsters in in our own cage on our own wheel, just going around and around to the point of exhaustion? To the point of exhaustion. So by the time it's time for God to truly use us for his glory, we done got exhausted because we don't let the enemy run us in circles. We let the enemy make us make our own selves tired. Can we move past that and finally get about, get on about the business of God and get about the business of doing uh, the Christ, can we finally examine what we're actually taking in day by day? Can we finally begin that and begin to really examine that we understand so that to understand what it is that is driving? We want to make sure that it's God's driving, make sure it's will God's will. And God's purpose driving. We don't want rejection to be driving. We don't want um, we don't want uh, to be to be driven by our own our own lust. We don't want to be driven by that. We want God to have all power, all steering power, so that we align with His will and His purpose. We don't want to have to realign because we allowed ourselves to be distracted and moved by by every by every wind of doctrine let's realign ourselves to the will and the purpose of god and let's cause ourselves to to be able to recognize what is of god and what is um what is not of god let's stop allowing the enemy to cause us to sabotage our own destinies our own purpose Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today, God, for being God. I thank you today, God, because you're opening our eyes. You're, you're sharpening our sermon. 
so that we will recognize the strategies of the enemy to interfere and to subdue and subvert our faith. I thank you, oh God, that you are causing us today to realign with you and you're causing us today to align with purpose and with destiny for eternal life, for eternal life, not temporal, not, not what's of the world, but eternal life. And I thank you today, God, that because our eyes are not open, are now open, we will now, we will no longer sabotage our own selves. We will no longer sabotage our own selves through our own lusts. We will no longer sabotage ourselves through our own, through our own fears. But we got to lean wholeheartedly on you, know that you alone will direct our paths. You alone, you alone, God, you alone, God, carry the wisdom for our lives. And you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit that will teach us all things. And we thank you, oh God, for those that you put in our lives and that we will come in contact with God that will that will share wisdom with us and that will cause us to grow into the likeness and the image of you. And that will cause us to walk worthy of the vocation where we are and that will cause the, your promises to be manifested in us and through us. And we give your name all praise and we give you all glory and all honor. And we thank you that this word has traveled throughout the earth. And we thank you, God, that those that believe upon it, God, are walking now in destiny and purpose and their eyes are open to see the enemy's tricks and see how the enemy has caused them to sabotage their own destiny and sabotage their own purpose. And I thank you, oh God, for everything everything, every experience, every experience that we've had and every experience that has been shared with us that has caused us to come to know you better and to know who you, to be in better relationship with you. I give you all praise and all glory and all honor. And I give you, I bless your name. In Jesus name, I pray. In Jesus name, I pray. I thank you so much for listening to me on today. And I hope to see you on next week because we're going to keep talking about this. God is going to begin to open our eyes even more to the works of the enemy. And he's going to begin to point out to us how the enemy uses, uses us to sabotage our own selves and sabotage our own, our own destiny and purpose and get in our own way because where God is taking us now, where God is taking the remnant, we can't afford any longer to get in in our own way. We must begin to relax and let God's will and purpose be done in our lives. And we have to start, get off this merry-go-round that we're on, that we think that we know everything. And if we don't know it, then it can't be known or it can't be true because God is calling us to a place that we have to begin now to raise up, go get, go get those that are called according to his purpose and, and begin to get them on their way. We have to be sure of our way. We have to be sure of the way that we're going and who we are. And until next week, come on, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't let go. No matter what happens, look at that thing. Examine that thing. If it's not of Christ, dispel it out your life and keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Because we've got a purpose. We've got a plan of God. We've got God is waiting on, on us. I'm talking you to you today. There's someone today that I'm talking to that did not realize, oh my God, it's me. I've been sabotaging myself. I did that to me. I didn't listen when help was there. I didn't hear them, but I hear now. I see now. And God, I thank you for this word. I thank you that you opened my eyes to those that, the things that, that's one of the tactics of the enemy. Come on, no more sabotage. No more self-sabotage. Don't let go. Don't let go. 
God bless you. You're in my prayers. If you're under the sound of my voice, you are in my prayers. I am praying for you, praying for you. Thank you.